Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, December the 5th, 2022, 7 a.m. here in Spotswood, and I wish I could show you the sky outside. It is a beautiful sunrise this morning, but it is a little uh, cloudy. I don't know if that means it's going to rain today. I haven't even looked at the weather, but anyway, I hope that you are having a nice Monday wherever you happen to be, and Hey, I'm assuming that you're actually seeing this on Monday. Maybe it's Tuesday, not December the 6th when you find this, or who knows, January. I, I don't know. It's interesting. People watch these at different times, and some people go back and watch these, um, especially if you miss some of these, because we are going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, to the gospel according to John, and that's okay. Whenever you happen to find this, I'm, I'm happy that the Lord has brought you here and that we have this time together. But I welcome all of those certainly who are here with us live and those of us who will be with us on Sermon Audio a little bit later this morning. Um, what we're doing, I, I just said it, we're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we find ourselves in John chapter 15. The last time that we were together on this past Thursday, um, we had made it through really, we made it through verse 17, but I said that we were going to drop back and start at verse 16 this week. But what we covered last week was the nature of our relationship with Christ, that not only are we saved in him, but we're given this wonderful, wonderful privilege that we get to participate in his grand redemptive plan that on one hand, it doesn't even make sense, y'all. Not, not to us, but usually because our focus is not God's glory. If you're looking at what would glorify God the most, it makes perfect sense because of all of the things or people God could use to proclaim his message, he chooses us. And the problem with that is we are earthen vessels, right? We are not perfect. We oftentimes pursue our own desires and all of these different things. We struggle with sin and yet. The Holy Spirit transforms us, y'all. The Holy Spirit gives us so much, gives us the words to say, gives us um, the direction that we need, illuminates God's word for us, is our guide, is our advocate, is our counselor. God takes people like you and me, right? And he uses us to proclaim his riches to others. It's just spectacular. That's why Jesus, one of the last things we covered was that Jesus said to his disciples, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm no longer calling you servants. You're my friends. You're my friends because you know my teachings. You, you know what I'm trying to do here, right? Um, and in that, that idea of taking part in God's plan. You know, is God the creator and master of the universe? Absolutely. Is he the, is he the creator and are we the creatures? Without a doubt. And yet, Jesus, rewinding to John chapter 1, God the Son from all eternity, the one through whom all things were made, he doesn't just call us a creature. Those who are trusting in him, he calls friend. It's, it's, it's just marvelous, y'all. It really is, really and truly. I, I challenge you to think of better news than the fact that we were once at enmity with God, enemies with God, 
And now in Jesus Christ, we are the friend of God. And we get to take part in this wonderful adventure. And not only that, not only did we do nothing to earn it, we didn't even, in recognizing this deal, choose to follow it on our own. That's what we're picking up with today. A little bit of a hot subject, but that's okay. We will get through it together. Now, um, let me pray, and then we will dig in. Again, I welcome you. Our Father, as we come to your word now, we pray that your blessings would be upon us. We pray that you would help us to understand as we yet again go to this somewhat controversial topic that really shouldn't be, but sometimes can very much be. We pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would focus on what your word says, not just what we feel, but that we would focus on what your word says and let us be captive to your word. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So what am I referring to that can be somewhat controversial? Well, I just hinted at it before I even prayed. I talked about this marvelous good news of Jesus Christ that we're not only saved, but that we're called the friends of God. And we get to take part in all this. And it's the best news because not only as a result in salvation, it's the best news because we did nothing to earn it. If you were with us yesterday, um, we talked about the love of Christmas, Titus 3, right? Um, where we're told that it's at Christmas that God's love for mankind appeared and he saved us, not by our works, not by our works of righteousness, but by his mercy. And then it goes on to talk about his grace. You know what mercy is? Mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Grace is not only not, not receiving what you deserve, it's getting the opposite of what you deserve. And speaking of deserve, we all deserve to be in hell with our backs broke. All right? That's deserve. That's fair. Okay? We got no business talking about what we got coming because based on our actions, that's what we got coming. But based on Jesus, we have this eternal life. And one of the best parts about it, y'all, one of the most glorious parts about it is that God chose us to take part in it. It's remarkable. And you say, well, wait a second. I chose to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Verse 16 of John chapter 15 Jesus, still speaking here, says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Y'all, I want to be clear about something here. People get into this argument. And they get and, and it really it's it's troubling. It shouldn't be. But generally speaking, the terms that are used for this, I don't even like the terms for it. Some people call it Calvinism. Right. This teaching about how God chooses us. We don't choose him. All, all that kind of stuff. I really don't like the term Calvinism just for the sake of John Calvin. John Calvin was a French lawyer um, who became a minister and was one of the most important Protestant reformers. Um, in the entire Protestant Reformation, right? He became a pastor. He became a theologian, a scholar. 
And the fact is this, Martin Luther wrote two or three times as much on the subject of predestination or election or God choosing us, not us choosing him first. Martin Luther wrote far more than John Calvin ever did. The issue is that John Calvin wrote on it so much better. You know, Luther had that German thing going on where if you could say it in a thousand pages, you might as well write it in 3000 pages. And Calvin was so systematic in his approach, so simple, so economic with his words and, and his teachings were so great um, that it's attributed to him. It's called Calvinism, but Calvin would have never wanted that. Calvin had himself buried, and again, name is John Calvin. When he died, his instructions were to bury him in an unmarked grave, and they did. Nobody knows where Calvin is buried, and he said that because it's not the things that the Lord had blessed him with. It wasn't about him being memorialized, him being enshrined. So this idea that this teaching on God's sovereignty ought to be called Calvinism, I really don't like that idea, and plus— when we divide things up into camp, we make it look like, well, maybe this is a, a, a valid idea. Maybe this isn't. Y'all, the message of God's word is very clear. God chooses us. Now, we do choose him. But the issue is how? You know, Jesus is very clear here. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And some say, oh, he's talking to the disciples there. No. What did he say to his disciples? Come and follow me. They still had to choose to follow him. Y'all, the question is, how do we choose God? Right? And the way that we choose God is because he has first chosen us, whether it's in First John where we're told that we love because God first loved us. Or maybe it's Ephesians chapter 2. As for you. I'm in Ephesians chapter 2 now. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Y'all, how many dead people do you see making choices? If what is written in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 is true, then without Christ, we do not possess the ability even to choose him. He says, Again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And then he says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature Objects of wrath. Y'all, the key to understanding how salvation works, the key to solving this debate between did God choose me, did I choose him? Let me be very clear. We must choose to follow Christ. That's not the issue. The issue is what enables us to follow Christ. And that's where it comes in that God chooses us, not we choose him. And that's the case because of our nature. I've used this metaphor with y'all before. If you go to the zoo, right, and you go to the lion's cage, and you prepare a beautiful, fresh salad with the crispest of vegetables, right? It's just spectacular, not only to the eyes. Now, I'm not a salad eater. That may come as a shock. But nevertheless, I, I will eat salad. But nevertheless, it's it's not my preferred <laughs> mode of dining, 
but nevertheless, you, there are some salads that people, people prepared. It's like, wow, that is a beautiful salad. Let's say you go to the zoo, to the lion's cage, and you put this beautiful salad in the lion's cage, and then you just grab a hunk of meat and throw it in there. It doesn't even have to be fresh meat. It can be rotten meat, right? Mangled up parts of meat that you don't want to eat. What is the lion going to choose when it comes into the cage? Now, if you're in there, it's going to choose you. But outside of that, right, if it has the choice between the meat and the salad, what is it going to choose? Well, of course, it's going to choose the meat. How many times is it going to choose the meat over the salad? Well, 100 times out of 100. Why? Is it because the lion is like me and it just doesn't like salad? No. The lion is going to choose the meat because in its very nature, in the very fabric of its essence, of its being, that lion is a carnivore. Technically, the salad is there. The meat is there. Technically, it can choose. However, the lion will live based on its nature. My friends, we are no different. We're no different. We are born with a sinful nature. And naturally, yeah, anybody can choose to follow God. The question is not that. The question or the issue is we will never choose God on our own, ever. We will never, ever choose to follow God on our own because we are born with a sinful nature. Just like that line is born a carnivore, we are born with sinful nature. The only way that that lion would ever choose the salad is if somehow, some way, you could turn that lion from a carnivore into an herbivore or an omnivore. It would take a core change of who that lion is. Y'all, it's the same way with salvation. The only way that we will ever choose God is if we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The only way we'll ever choose God and choose to follow Christ is if we have faith. And faith doesn't come from you and me. That's why Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I don't know about you, but that sounds a whole lot like you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Ephesians chapter 2. You know what Paul's doing here? All he's doing is talking about what Jesus said. When Paul says it's by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, doesn't that sound a lot like you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you? What does Paul say the reason is for our salvation? For we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Why does Jesus say that he chose them in John chapter 15? You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last. Guys, this is the paradigm of salvation. If you know Jesus, I'm not saying you never walked down an aisle. I'm not saying you never chose to follow him. Anything like that. What I am saying, though, is the faith that was necessary for you to choose Jesus 
God chose to give it to you. You did not choose to lay hold to it. And doesn't that make sense? Because y'all, if we have to do anything to earn our salvation, well, then salvation stops being a gift and becomes a payment. And I don't care how minuscule it is. If we do anything for our salvation, apart from the grace of God, then we get to lay claim to a portion of it. We can say with haughtiness, yeah, I weighed out the options. I looked at what it meant to be an atheist. I looked at what it meant to follow Christ, and I concluded based on the word, based on the fill in the blank, whatever you want to say, I concluded with my own free will that I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm not turning back. Guys, dead people don't conclude anything. And God's word tells us apart from Jesus, we're dead. Jesus told his disciples, and by extension, you and me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And doesn't that go back to the very beginning of what we see in John, where it talks about in John chapter one, how we're children, how Jesus came to redeem his children, children born not from human decision or desire, but by the will of God. Again, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Now, People run with this idea and they come up with all sorts of ludicrous arguments like, well, what's the point in preaching the gospel if, if, if God chooses us and we don't choose him? Y'all, because the gospel is the means by which we're saved. Don't create straw man argument about this and don't read books. There are books out there that are 300 pages long written against arguments that nobody holds. It's called the straw man fallacy, right? Where you build up this, this false case and then you knock it down. Well, it's very easy to knock it down because nobody believes what you're writing. You know? and don't do that. Take God's word for what it is. And if you don't like the idea that God did everything, that God chooses some and doesn't choose others, if you say, well, that's not fair. I agree. We should all be in hell. Yeah, we, we should all be in hell again with our backs broke. That's fair. The fact that God saves some is marvelous. The fact that God calls some is marvelous. And again, if you say that is the worst idea, that's not the kind of God that I serve. Well, then, if I were you, I would read Romans chapter nine. Right. Romans 9, verse 14, what shall we say then? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Verse 19, one of you will say, then why does God still blame us? For who resists his will? And then Paul reacts to this. You know, the idea is, well, if God chooses some and doesn't choose others, then how can he send anybody to hell? Because he's the one in charge, right? Romans 9.20, Paul says, But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? You know what that just said? 
It said that God is God and you and I ain't. And because he's God, he decides who he shows mercy toward. He decides which objects, as the potter and we're the clay, he decides which objects are prepared for noble use and which objects are prepared for wrath and all for his own glory. And y'all, God will be glorified. And if you have a problem with that, then your problem is with the creator of the universe. This is his word. He wrote it. People don't like this subject sometimes. People shy away from it. But if you don't embrace this subject, if you don't embrace the fact that God is 100% responsible for your salvation, if there's a tinge of your responsibility in it, then you have elevated yourself to a level that you were never meant to be at. It was Spurgeon that said it best. The only thing that you and I contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary in the first place. That's it. But understanding that not only is God the author of our salvation, but that he saves us for a purpose. It makes all the difference in the world. And God does do that. You see, if we lay claim to our salvation, then guess what else we can lay claim to? If we are responsible for our salvation, or if we have to choose, or if we take part in our salvation, well, that means we also get to choose and take part in what we do with our salvation. Because aren't we responsible for it if we're the ones that choose God, not the other way around? Yeah. And if we get to choose what we do with our salvation, then not only does that go against the whole John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We can also very easily go against the rest where he says, and appointed you to go and bear fruit. You see, because God is 100% responsible for our salvation, God has 100% authority to tell us what to do in light of being saved. And what has he told us to do? Well, we read it in Ephesians chapter 2, where God's workmanship appointed in Christ Jesus to do the good works prepared in advance for us to do. The Lord has given you opportunities. The Lord has laid out works before you and has called you to do them. And your responsibility is to do them. My responsibility is to do the good works that he's laid out before me. Our corporate responsibility is John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That's how Christianity works. That's what this calling really is. That is why we are called friends. And that's why it's the gospel, the good news. If you know him, examine the fruit that you're producing. Examine whether or not you are functioning as God's workmanship, created to do good works that were prepared in advance for you to do. If you don't know him, realize that you can. You know, if the Lord is working in your heart, he is giving you the faith necessary to trust in him. Trust in him. Don't wait. Do it today. Do it right now. If you want to talk, call me, message me. We'll talk. But don't wait. 
because we have much to do. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we pray that you would work in all of our hearts, convict us theologically speaking, that we would know the truth, yes, but that theology is so practical in how we live our lives and carry out our salvation. Please don't let us miss it. For those that do not know you that are listening to this, and I pray that many who do not know you will listen to this, work in their hearts and draw them to yourself, please. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Let me also say thank you again to everybody who worked so hard this past weekend. My goodness. What a wonderful meal we had. The weather cleared up. So if you prayed for good weather, the Lord answered that prayer. I think a little bit, well, it was maybe a little bit over, a little bit under 400 people were served. Around $6,500 was raised. Such a blessing, y'all. So many people work so hard. Christy, Carrie, um, Karen works so hard. Ashley, Howell, uh, and, and again, so many people from Old Providence. If I started naming people, would be here another 30 minutes. But y'all know who you are. I know who you are, but forget about that. The Lord knows who you are. So thank you so much for all of your help. And again, thank you all for being here. I see Wayne. Good morning. There's my man. And there's Rose and Alice. And let's see here. My screen messed up. And there's Christine and Helen. Good morning. And Becky and Elizabeth. Yes, indeed. Thank you all again. And Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow at 7. Until then, have a great Monday.